Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Jennifer Powers, jenniferpowers.com, for your reference. What's cool about today is we're going to talk about the difference of coaching and training, why you need both, what you can learn about coaching to make you a better coach, and then why occasionally you might need an outside coach, why you may need a coach or people in your team may need a coach. So we've got a lot to cover. Guaranteed everyone's going to learn something on this call and an amazing free gift at the end. I've got to keep that a secret, though, so everyone listens. But I will just say this. It's a better gift than our normal free gift. Uh, so anyhow, Jennifer, just very quickly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Evan. I am Jennifer Powers. I am a professional master certified coach, and I am a speaker, and I'm also a best-selling author. And I've been doing this full-time for about 15 years now, digging the gig. Nice. Nice. So I, I'm going to start off with a provocative statement. Do it. Lots of people love to coach, mm. and most of them don't have a clue what they're doing mm. at all. Mm. And they do more telling than listening, more telling than evoking. Mm. Do you agree, disagree? What do you, what do you see? Well, when you say people, are you talking about people in management positions, people with their parenting, people in their relationship? Who are you talking about? Well, in this case, we're going to talk about people within the training department mm. and people within management positions within companies where the training department could train them on better coaching skills. Yeah. So I think that creating a coaching culture is honestly the best thing we can do at this point for a number of reasons. And so, yes, I do agree. And I, I know as a fact that when you begin to say less, you know, tell less and ask more, you can literally change the dynamic of relationships, the culture of your company. Um, empowerment goes up. Retention goes up. Um, in a training environment, it's it's a more dynamic experience for everyone involved, for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, let's get some clarity here for a second. How would you define the difference between coaching and training? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So traditionally, if I were to talk about what a trainer does, it is uh, bringing information to a group of people that may probably not have had that information before. And it's, it's instructional, it's informative, it's educational, and it's one directional. And coaching is two directional, it is educational, it's inspirational, but it's, it's different in training in that it isn't a delivery system, it's more of an extraction system, right? So it's a person in the front of the room, call them whatever you want, um, eliciting information. Sure, they're sharing some information, but the majority of their time as a coach in front of a room, anyway, is um, extracting information from the participants because they recognize that there is a collective, a ginormous pool of collective intelligence in the room. And they also realize that that 
that collective pool wants to share that information and uh, education that they hold, and they they do a really good job of eliciting that as part of the content. I, and I, I think it's very powerful. And I think when people elicit, when people speak themselves, they believe themselves more than any other person. Yep. Uh, which is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that when I coach, mm-hmm. I get frustrated because I want to jump to the answer. Mm. And because I sit there and I just see it. And I'm spending all my time evoking and asking questions and trying to pull it out. Sometimes I get, I get clients that just say, just tell me. Yeah. Um, what advice do you give to people that, that you know, want to jump to the end but are skipping those really important steps? Because there's a huge difference, in my opinion, between a person that develops and solves and gets the aha themselves mm. than one is told the aha. Yeah. But human nature is you want to prove how smart you are, so you want to tell them the aha. Yeah, yeah. So two things. One, we have to remember we're coming out of that command and control style of leadership and, and management and maybe even training um, where you were in the front of the room or you were in charge of a group of people because you had answers. And now we're asking people to um, maybe have answers but not necessarily offer them up. Instead, have a skill set that allows you, the leader, the trainer, to ask questions to, like I said, extract from the other. Now, that's very difficult for a lot of people, Evan, because they are still in the mindset, well, if I don't have the answers, why am I getting paid the big bucks, right? Like, why am I the leader? Why am I the trainer? Well, good question, and I get it. But we notice we are one foot in the past and one foot in the future, and it's going to be a transition. So first I say be kind to yourself because if you are – your tendency is that it's because that's what you've been working in for so long, right? So be kind. The, the second thing I would say is don't don't try to do anything before you just observe. Like be a student of yourself and begin to observe what happens when you tell, when you direct, when you offer information, you give advice, you give direction. Um, and then try it the other way um, and in your management, in your training, instead of telling, asking. And then just watch, just observe the difference in the outcome of the person you're sitting with or the group that you're training. Just watch what happens. And then you decide which outcome you prefer to be the catalyst for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just observe because it's a tremendous, tremendous learning experience. Don't commit to doing one or the other. Just just try it on and then see what you think. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point because you will get inspired by the result. Mm-hmm. What, you, mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most of the people listening have been trained as a trainer. Yeah. Most of the people listening have not been trained as a coach. Sure. Now, there's no replacement. I mean, you, you know, you can't in five minutes teach someone how to be an effective coach. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can kind of give an overview of, you know, what is a coach and what are some of the keys to be an effective coach? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So one, um, recognize that you don't have all the answers. 
that you don't want to have all the answers. And that's difficult for a trainer because a trainer, again, is in the front of the room as the expert in the content and they should deliver. So as a trainer, you want to have some information, but not all the answers. That, again, is a mind shift for some people. But that is where a coach, a coach in its true form comes with an unknowing mind, right? Um, willing to be curious, willing to ask questions that will elicit information that he or she, the coach, could never have come with, up with themselves. And that's a beautiful gift to a trainer because, one, it alleviates a lot of pressure, uh, performance anxiety for new trainers, and it can really, really enlighten an audience way more than one individual in front of the room can. So I say come a little bit with that curiosity, that unknowing, that interest in asking questions. Um, and in order to do that, let me just say this, Evan. In order to do that, you have to have an interest in what your people, your participants have to say. If you don't have an interest, you're not going to ask. <laughs> so find some level of interest. In, um, in what they're bringing to the table. Okay, and then the second thing is simple. Allow room in your training for questions, open-ended questions, not the questions that, you know, raise your hand if you've ever, that's not the question I'm talking about. I'm talking about questions that catalyze conversation in a way that is um, uh, informative to the rest of the people. So it might be a question like, um, what do you think of when I say blank? Or what does blank mean to you, right? Questions to start with what or how are your best friends? So asking those open-ended questions. And then, and then you gotta, like you said, you gotta bite your tongue and wait for the answer. You don't have to have the answer. Your goal is to fire start, like just get something started, get them engaged. Because you know what, Evan? They wanna be engaged. Your audience today, there is too much competition. I don't care how interesting your training topic is, there is way too much competition in the form of Twitter, Facebook, text, email, right, chimes, that um, you can't afford to just be a talking head up there anymore. There's, there is no doubt about it. What, you know, what I find interesting is I'm talking to you and I, I'm making an assumption. Mm that clearly is false. Um, and I always like that because that biggest learnings are those epiphanies where you go, maybe you didn't know everything. Mm -hmm. And I always try to listen for why the other person's right. So I always think of, of, of training as being a group function, not necessarily always, but most cases. And I think of coaching as an individual function. I'm coaching you one-on-one, -on -one. Mm. but you're describing coaching actually in a group setting to some degree mm -hmm. and, and maybe talk about that because I would bet the listeners would be very interested in understanding yeah. what that means. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it's amplified. You're right. Traditionally coaching is one-on-one, -on -one, but it, the beauty of coaching is amplified when you are in a group environment. Now, in order for it to be a positive experience for everyone in the group, uh, you need to have people join together on commonalities. Like they either have to have a common goal in mind or a common background, common struggles or strategies or common you know, solutions that they're looking for. It's not going to work if you just have a bunch of random people in there that you don't have a clear topic or a goal or destination. So that's important. I know, you know we might take that for granted, but not all training. You might have a room full of um, 
uh, employee orientation, for example, where you have mid-level management, right, uh, frontline workers, and you know, I don't know who else, wh whoever else you could have in there, and coaching one person on one topic won't necessarily apply or transfer to the rest of the room. So it's important to be mindful of that. Um, the beauty of coaching in a group is that, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, one, first of all, you have their attention, right? They are a participant in the process. And that is what makes any group uh, environment more engaging. People kind of get tired of hearing one person talk. They really do. I mean, it's dry. Gone are the days, right, where the audience sits there and listens. <laughs> And, and the person in front of the room is the only one talking. Like, okay, sorry folks if that's what you're doing, but um, that's old. Like most millennials aren't gonna sit around for that. They're just not digging that, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I totally get what you mean. Yeah, and so um, when you are I engaging them in, in the process, you have them, right? No one's like looking to grab for their phone or they gotta use quote unquote the restroom, right? Or they're not zoning out, um, you have them. But more importantly, they have each other. They start to see the commonalities that they share and camaraderie, right, and relationship building, but also relatability. And you begin to neutralize a lot of issues that people have in their mind because they're like, oh, Bob has that too. I thought I was the only crazy person, right? I thought yeah. I was the only one that was struggling with that or whatever. And then thirdly, you have a collection of amazing uh, resources at your disposal there with the group that you can elicit solutions or best strategies or practices from them. So you can't possibly have all the answers. You just can't. As a trainer, first of all, it's exhausting. It's too much pressure. But more importantly, um, so many people in that room have an experience that you don't have that they can bring solutions and ideas. And that's very empowering to people. You know, it's yeah. interesting. 30 years ago, when I was first being trained as a trainer, Yeah. and that person training me says, occasionally you're going to be asked questions you don't know the answer to. And he says, this is the trick. When that happens, you say, okay, it's time for the, t it's time for the room. I've been answering the questions. I'm going to let you guys answer the questions. Yeah. And then you just hope that someone in the room has the answer, um, yeah. <laughs> which, which is kind of funny because it was used as a, 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 instead of being used as a best practice, it was just used <laughs> literally to get out of a jam. <laughs> right. But but I, I do like what you're saying because, you know, for me personally, engagement is very a big deal. And when yeah. people are listening like they may be about to participate, even though not everyone is literally going to participate, they right. listen, listen differently. Right? Yeah. If you yeah. think you're going to be called upon, then you're not, you're, you've got to be more attentive than if you can just sit there and open up your, your uh, phone and, and, and right. check your Facebook. Well, you, uh, call it, being called upon isn't uh, something that I would uh, recommend if you're going to employ the coach approach, right? It's more like a, uh, well, who else haven't I heard from? Or who else wants to share who hasn't shared yet? As opposed to you, Suzanne, what do you think? I haven't heard from you, right? That's that's a little yeah, beyond. Well, I wasn't really meaning pointing people out literally, but more right. like they could be, meaning sure. that they could be participating if they chose to be rather yes. than knowing that they're not going to have that choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, which I think, which I think is kind of cool. It's absolutely cool. It's the best. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of training unleashed brought to you by total training. 
The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we are primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. And one thing you reminded me of, um, just to give some verbiage of what trainers and even managers can use is sometimes uh, an employee or you'll be in a meeting or a training where someone will ask you a question and you feel like you should have the answer, but you maybe want to just, you know, open it up to the room or maybe you're not exactly sure of the answer. You can say something like, well, before I answer that, because I have my own version of, of the answer to that, but let me check with the room before I offer my ideas. Let me check with the room. Who... Blah, 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 blah. And then you ask the, the room, right? So you're, it's like a both and. You're saying, well, sure, I've got an answer. but And then that buys you time, right? And maybe some additional yeah. <laughs> sparks of uh, ideas from the audience. And sometimes you can get away with just affirming, you know, Joe that says something brilliant. You know what, Joe? That's exactly what I would say. Yes, I concur. Yeah. You know, and then you affirm, which is very important if you're going to take the coach approach. You've got. I mean, you have got to affirm people. You can't just sit up there, ask questions, and then not not respond or affirm positively. Even if you don't agree with it, there is something that you need. There is a safe space you need to create if you want people to continue to share, right? No. So you can accept what people say. You don't have to agree with them, but you can accept it, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, 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 makes, it, makes, it makes total sense. Um, I think the question that people in the audience are thinking, okay, am I doing a session and it's all coaching? Am I doing a session that's part training that converts to coaching? Mm -hmm. Um, how would you answer that question? I would answer, what if it were both? What if it were this beautiful combination, this dance that you could do? You know, I've done keynotes. I mean, I bring coaching into my keynotes. I mean, that's like just a complete weirdo idea, right? But if I find it, if, if whether you're training a small group of 15 or a room of a thousand, Evan, literally, if you are not engaging the people at some point or another, you know, a speaker knows that every seven minutes you need to have the audience doing something. I don't care if it's raising their hand to a rhetorical question or talking to their partner or looking on their sheet. They need to be doing something for every seven every seven minutes, right? So what if it were just a powerful coaching question that you put out every seven minutes? What if at the end of a training like section, you have two hours of training and every 30 minutes you've committed to just checking in with them and asking what was the most powerful takeaway from the last section, right? What if, what if that, and then you got an answer and then you said, okay, who else? What else? Good. What are some other takeaways? Good. Let's hear from someone else. What are some other takeaways, right? Like that's coaching. That is, that is eliciting, eliciting information from the audience. I'll tell you that, for me, if it's less than 50 people, mm -hmm. I love and ending a room that way. Yeah. And uh, I just share this because I just literally did this with one of my clients. Mm -hmm. yeah. so we, we made a big circle. We held hands. You could feel the energy. Kumbaya. And each person acknowledged a person in the room for their contribution to them mm -hmm. during the which was really cool. Right. I, I eliminated myself from the from that because I wasn't looking for Goodness. that. And yeah. and then each person shared the number one learning from the meeting. 
And what was great is what a great way to remind everybody of what was being covered during the the top the, the whole session. That's right. That's and right. It's so much that, easier than you saying, here's what we covered. We did this, this, and this, and here's how it's valuable, right? Yeah. And then that was the end, literally the end of the meeting. And, you know, it, people were crying and yeah. you know, it's a very, it's a very emotional thing and people appreciate being acknowledged and, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, it is a powerful way. I've never thought of it as coaching, but yeah. you're absolutely right. It is coaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a question like, what would, what would you like to add to this? Like you can go through your whole training materials and say, what haven't you heard that you might like to add? Oh my God, like what a brilliant, brilliant question. You're like, wait, what? Like I have, I have a voice here. Like you want to know what I, oh, okay. I got something to add because something came up for me. I'm glad you asked, right? And yeah. now you have even deeper, richer content, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to accept, again, trainers have to be careful because someone might say something that's like not within the, you know, the correct guidelines or whatever. Um, but you would correct them. You would affirm them. Thank you for sharing. And then let me just make a correction here. The best way is blah, blah, blah. Or you're right here, but I want to, you know, challenge this and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. So let, let's shift gears now to one-on-one -on -one coaching. Hmm. And that in the training department, I think that there's a need to train executives on how to work and coach their team rather than, you know, sitting there with the to-do list. Hey, you got this done. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do this? Oh, you didn't make that sale. Why didn't you make that sale? And, and teaching managers to be coaches. Mm -hmm. um, do you see that a lot from training departments doing that type of activity? Mm -hmm. um, is it better to outsource that activity to, to, to others what, what are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, I do that a lot. I train managers and executives to incorporate coaching skills into their leadership flat out. That is the best. And let me tell you, it is, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably some of the most challenging work for managers and leaders to do because they're so successful and they got where they are because of all that they know and their experience and their ability to command and control and give direction and have answers. So it's a, it's like a big, like short circuit for a lot of people. So yes, I do see like HR and training departments incorporating it. However, it's slow. It's a slow go. And I will say that the majority, at least of the people that I've witnessed, are coming on an individual basis saying, I know that I can be a better manager. I'm struggling here. I'm looking for a coach to help me with my management skills. Um, I don't know what it is, but I need some help. I know what it is. Jen Powers knows what it is. It's the coach approach, right? Yeah. And so when they adopt it, they start to see a tremendous response, difference in the response they're getting from their direct reports and the culture that they're creating and it, it catches on like fire Evan. it's just like wildfire like they get it don't get me wrong it is not an overnight thing because changing those gears is a muscle that they've maybe never used right yeah, yeah. i mean someone comes to your office and says um i have this problem you say okay i have this solution a coach says okay what are your thoughts on the solution like what's an ideal outcome look like to you? What, what comes to you as a possible next step, right? 
Um, so it's a different approach. But right I, I used to work for two different people. I reported to both of them. Sometimes that was great because it was like I reported to no one. Uh, but sometimes it was difficult. But the one thing I remember distinctly is that if I had a problem, if I went to one of them and I said, hey, here's my problem, the answer would be, they might ask a few questions, but then it would be, here's what you do. Mm. The other one would ask a few questions and, you know, really clarifying and says, good luck in your decision. Mm. And, you know, so I started going to the one much more than the other. The other one says, how come you're never asking me for help? Mm. And I go, when I ask you for help, you tell me what to do. And I ask the other one for help. He, he inspires me. <laughs> and and uh, the guy go oh, <laughs> and, and 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 found that you know to be interesting, but I, I think that's true. But I I think our tendency as a manager, we're not talking about training now, but as a manager, is to think people are coming to you for the answers. Yeah. The problem is if you give them answers, they're going to come to you for answers over and over and over and over again because they don't want to take the risk of making a mistake. If they get coaching and you help them better understand how to discern and make decisions, that's a muscle they build, and then they don't need to come as often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be successful as a manager, in my opinion, you've got to be able to have independently working teams under you, because if you're making every major decision for the organization, you know, you're, you're going to not have a personal life, and you're not going to be able, you're not going to, be able to advance in the organization. It definitely behooves the manager, yeah, yeah, the leader. Um, now you say, you know, to be an effective manager, I would say today to be an effective manager today, cause this wasn't always true, right? People, yeah. and there's still people in the workforce that are frustrated by a manager who might take a coach approach and they might want to say, just tell me boss, just tell me what to do. Right. So there can be some frustration on and difficulty. on this. And, and a lot of this is generational. It absolutely is. And you know, I, I'm on the, I'm 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 a baby boomer, which used to be considered young, but is no longer. And and I remember you know watching TV shows like uh, um, what was it called Bewitch, where uh, Darren was always worried about his boss Larry and what Larry would say, and you know scared of Larry and would never say anything you know, against Larry. And and you were you were taught you know that kind of fear. Yeah. Uh, but millennials, Gen Z, it's totally different. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, they want to be inspired. They want to be, they want to have a voice. They want to feel heard. So yeah. I think that's a very good point. I, I'm going to make a point because I think this is an important point. And then I'm going to get to your, um, to the final question and then the offer. But um, I, I think, you know, knowing you and having, you know, we, by the way, people listening, this is not the first time we've met. And um, we spend quite a bit of time thinking about the conversation. Um, I think in, in organizations, once you get to a certain level, it is better for the organization to outsource your services and for people to go to your website and consider using you. And the reason is, I think at a certain level, uh, managers are going to feel much more comfortable talking to a confidential outside source than an inside source. And that they're going to expect a level of understanding and expertise. And, you know, I, I can't, you're certified. What's your certification again? Master certified coach through the International Coach Federation. Yeah. That's the governing body. Of right. Which, which makes a massive difference. Yeah. 
in terms of, you know, someone's respect. So, you know, when someone gets to a certain level, I, even if you feel you or other people within your training department have the ability to do that coaching, I highly recommend that you, you know, look at Jennifer or look at other people like Jennifer, because I think, I think it's much better in terms of the willingness of the person to participate, to listen to the advice, to really open up uh, is much different when you outsource. So I just wanted to say that for you. Yeah, for that competency, but also the confidentiality. Like I think you were, you know, making yeah. that point. Um, people are so much more comfortable sharing so much with someone that doesn't have an invested interest or agenda, right? In yeah. the company or in the department or the outcome, um, it's it's a great difference. So I see a lot of organizations that get their you know their HR their training department manager certified. You know, you know, they go through a quick training course and now they're coaching um, that that's fine. But consider someone who that's all they do <laughs> that yeah. as, as like all I do. I mean, I've logged over twenty five hundred hours in coaching. Um, no training manager could ever have that breadth of experience, you know. So, yeah, you, I mean, you also you also know something. You also have another benefit, mm-hmm. which is you don't know all the answers because you're not working in the company. That's right. Not knowing. Yeah. Some people say, oh, so will you get, will you visit and get a good idea of, you know, everything that goes on here? And I go, well, it's kind of like counterintuitive to think like it's maybe better that I don't know so much at the onset. You know, I don't have any attachments or preconceived notions, um, which, yeah, is a big benefit. Mm-hmm. Same you know, thing it's, with- in, it's interesting at Tortal, we have instructional designers mm-hmm. and we intentionally have instructional designers work with clients that have no experience in that field. Mm. Because if you're really going to be training people, you have to know all the right questions. And a good instructional designer is going to be able to work with a subject matter expert and really do great work. Mm. But you know, when you have that situation where you knew, know so much, you can just assume everyone knows it. And the jargon, you know, uh, you you get into the jargon and then someone who does who's new to the industry starts watching the learning and goes, huh? Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there are big benefits. Oh, tremendous. tremendous. So we're, we are definitely running a little long. So let's get to your one idea, your one tip for everyone, and then we'll get to your offer. Oh, so the one idea I would offer uh, everyone that's listening, what, to like try on, Evan? Is that the idea? Yeah, just one, you know, here's one tip. Everyone's listening for your one single most profound thought. I just want to put pressure on you here while you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Profound thought. I would say to consider the possibility that as a trainer, you don't have all the answers in the room. And with in considering that, I would challenge you to at least incorporate one open-ended question into your next training. Just one. Just try it on. And leave space for the answer or several versions of the answer to come from the group and watch what happens. And if you need a question, I would say just ask that question um, what is the most valuable takeaway you have today? Or what one thing will you bring forward with you that you've learned here today? Right? What will you carry forward? Just ask the question, leave space for the answer, and just watch. Watch what happens. Yeah, that's a great tip. Mm-hmm. That's a very good tip. Plus, I think it's much more likely people will get something out of it if they took your, take your idea of asking, what's the one thing they're going to take from here? Right. Okay, yes. let's, let's get to your free offer. Okay. Please share with everyone. Yes. Um, I wrote a fabulous book 
called O-Shift, O-H-S-H-I-F-T, which um, executives, managers, parents, frontline workers, coaches, clients, they all very much get a lot out of because it, it helps people recognize their power of choice in their life. And by exercising that, they can create their own reality. And you can download a digital copy of that for free at oshift.com. And it would be a great pleasure to share that all with you. That's a great website, by the way. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. But that is not your main website, correct? No, right. The oshift.com is for the book. Yeah. Uh, jenniferpowers.com. If you want to reach out to Jennifer, she's got a great website. Friendly and easy person to talk to, I might add. I want to thank everyone for taking the time for listening today. And I hopefully, like myself, got a lot out of this. Thank you. Thanks, Evan. Pleasure to be here. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>